we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Hello, everybody. Hi. Uh, welcome to Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Uh, we are really excited to be watching the film Serenity uh, today on this episode. Uh, yeah. The film, we are, of course, talking about Joss Whedon's Serenity, which came out in 2005. The film is written and directed by Joss Whedon, uh, and uh, it stars uh, the entire uh, original cast of the show Firefly, which it is based on, uh, including Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyk, Marina Bakarin, Adam Baldwin, Jewel State, Sean Mayer, Summer Glau, Ron Glass, and also featuring a fantastic performance by Chuatel Ejiofor as well. My name is Ned. My name is Orlando. And today, you're leading, Ned, so take it away. Yeah, yeah. Well, Serenity, uh, besides being Joss Whedon's uh, feature film directoral debut, uh, is also a continuation of his uh, series Firefly, which aired on Fox for one Mm -hmm. season before being canceled. Great show. Um, So... uh, what uh, what does Serenity mean to you? Did you like see it when it um, first came out? Oh, you mean what the movie means to me? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> there there are two conversations Serenity we can have now. here, but <laughs> as far as Serenity, the 2005 film and not the 2019 film, Ugh. which angers me with its existence. <laughs> um, what uh, what uh, what what are your experiences with uh, Serenity? Funny thing. So I actually watched the movie Serenity before I saw the show Firefly and uh, a lot of people I guess that's those are the two experiences that you come into the franchise and you either watch the movie first or watch the show first and I think that the movie stands really well on its own because when I watched it I got what was going on and I had a blast watching it and it made me want to watch the show and then watching the show of course I fall in love with the show the show is really really good um, but uh, yeah, it's, it speaks to Joss Whedon's vision and creativity that he made a really kick-ass movie that can stand on its own. You could just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. Um, I I definitely think my experience was was in reverse from yours because uh, uh, when I saw trailers for the film in theaters, I remember being like, "What is this?" Like there was just. I, I had I had known nothing about Firefly mm-hmm. at the time. Um, I didn't see the movie when it was in theaters, um, and and I remember just kind of like there was something about watching the trailer that I was like, I feel like there's more to this thing, like that it's part of this bigger thing that I don't fully understand. <laughs> if only, and and, and yeah, uh, could have been much bigger, right. obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, so I remembered like seeing people talk about the film and being excited and not understanding why. Then I think like. Like a few years later uh, was when people started telling me about the show Firefly mm-hmm. and insisting that I invest the time in the one and only season. And then after watching Firefly, did it make sense? Oh, wait, so Serenity is that thing. And 
Um, and and yeah, it, so 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 I I was glad to have I was glad to have seen the film after having watched Firefly and having sort of had that chance to build the connection with the characters. Because definitely after like after you watch the show and you go back and um, and and you watch the movie, you do get a lot more of the nuances of, of the relationships, like especially with Ron Glass's character Shepard Book, you know, yeah. that you didn't get before. You're like, why is this guy? I get why this, he's like, everyone loves him and he's important, but I don't get exactly why. And then I feel I feel like every time I watch the show Firefly, I have a different favorite character, like in all my rewatches. And the last time I saw it, like Shepard was really my my main character, and uh, and of course you have to finish by watching the movie, and then I was really heartbroken at losing Shepard. So yeah, I think that it works on so many layers. It's a great franchise. Oh yeah. So there's there is so much loss that we will <laughs> yeah. that we will experience <laughs> with this film. I am pretty ready to uh, to jump on board the Serenity and uh, fly on it to multiple destinations and hopefully survive. Um, So we are going to start the movie now. Uh, For those of you who want to watch the movie, uh, you can do so. Um, It is not available for free on any streaming services uh, except except for Stars S-T-A-R-Z, if you have like a Stars subscription. Um, you can watch it as part of that streaming plan, and also like Stars has like a few add-ons on like Amazon Prime and Hulu. You can kind of get it that way, um, but it is available for purchase and for rent from Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Vudu as well. Awesome. So we're going to break now and watch the movie. Hopefully you guys watch the movie also. We'll be back in a second, and we'll talk about the movie. Later. Later. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. And we are back. Having, yay! Yes, yay indeed. Um, that, <laughs> so, um, yeah. What uh, what are you What are you thinking after uh, having uh, seen Serenity once again? I mean, it's just a really fun movie. I uh, I I, uh, I feel like. It it really it really does give it looking. Uh, in relation to the series and how the special effects have aged and all that, it really does feel like a season finale type thing, like a special. Like it could have very easily been a high budget TV movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair point. Because it was very, it's very purposefully. Well, maybe not purposefully. Maybe it was out of necessity. It feels kind of like a low budget movie but in all the best ways i think and i think it's that scrappiness that that was very pervasive in the tv show translates really well to the big screen um the chemistry is of course still there the cast is great uh it's just it's a very zippy movie too right like it feels it feels like it's very concise 
Yeah, that's the thing. Um, you know, because I've I've seen this movie more than a handful of times, mm-hmm. and you know, like whenever I revisit something that I'm pretty familiar with, there's always a part of me that's like, oh god, I'm gonna check out here. But like, <laughs> it really like this movie really does kind of keep you. Yeah, it really keeps you hooked, and it really keeps it's you entertaining. I yeah. think it's the characters, you know? Yeah, the, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, really, at the end of the day, like, the characters and, like, the interpersonal relationships between the characters uh, is is really what kind of makes a Joss Whedon film or show a Joss Whedon film or show for me. It's just, he really, he really knows how to write, um... He he really just there's there's something that he really is so good at tapping into about people who just have kind of been living together forever, yeah. you know, and who just like have this who just who really do kind of have this sort of like very specific interpersonal dynamic. I think that was like one of the things that really made like the first Avengers movie pop was just like that that feeling of like of like all these people kind of coming together in this situation and then just seeing how these kind of big personalities bounce off of each other and um and that's very much the same here in Serenity and even more so considering how long everybody has been on the show so that's a really good point about the Avengers because um like I'm thinking about how in in Thor Ragnarok uh whenever Thor is in the Colosseum and we discover that he has meant is he's meant to fight the Hulk, and yeah. he has that like one of the funniest jokes in the whole movie is uh, when he turns to the crowd and he says, "I know him. He's a guy from work." Yeah, <laughs> and that really only works because Joss Whedon definitely gave his characters that workplace dynamic in Avengers. Yeah, and and in Serenity, he, he it has that same feel like it. Even yeah, definitely more- in Avengers and and in Age of Ultron too. Right, Which, and I think maybe Age of Ultron is like a better example of that because by that point they had been together for Ex- longer. Yeah, exactly. Those party scenes, but like, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. The, and I think Seren- uh, Firefly and Serenity, it's it's not only a workplace; it's a family. You know? Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we've got a little trivia going on here. Ooh, trivia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, as before, um, the prize at stake is bragging rights. And I would say bragging rights very much so because, uh, you know, uh, I'm pretty confident that if I were being asked these specific questions uh-huh. without having prepared them, I probably won't. I probably wouldn't do that well so we'll see we'll see um (laughs) all right again i scared i I tried to i tried to give us a decent no that's good challenge me well i tried to give us a difficulty curve i would would like to fail spectacularly cool so trivia okay Uh, question number one okay uh what is the process by which a planet is made habitable for humans oh shit um if we're just (laughs) looking for the word it's terraforming Boom! You got All right, it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no further. Go into the specifics. Um, I, and, 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 and I did, and I did construct the trivia um, solely based on information that is in the film. Right. So it's Good. not, it's not like I'm gonna ask you cool. to, uh, you know, extra, explain how the how the, how the core of the Serenity. The Earth was right. used okay. up. That's all I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if, if it's in the script, it's 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 game. It's fair game. Cool. All right, cool. Question two. Mm-hmm. Um, who hired the crew of the Serenity for the bank job at the film start? Oh, shit. The the twin brothers, Oingo and Boingo, whatever their names were. <laughs> <laughs> Oingo and Boingo. 
Boingo and Boingo, I am officially marking down as your answer to this question. Um, I'll give you partial credit for, you know, it being the twins and... They have like these. Uh, it's weird because I can I can picture the the name in my head, the names because Nathan Fillion does a or a joke about who's prettier. Yeah, and he says blah 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 is prettier, and I can it's like on the tip of my tongue, but All I right. can't form it right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see if you could find it. Um, <laughs> the uh, the answer is uh, Fanti and Mingo. Fanti so and Mingo. So it's actually not that far <laughs> from Oingo and Boingo, but I love. Boingo and Boingo. <laughs> I wonder that, who knows, maybe that was in the first draft. First draft, Boingo and Boingo. Jasper was like, ah, oh, I don't know, fucking twins. They're Boingo and Boingo, we'll say. All right. Um, all right, we're going to ramp things up a bit. Okay. Um, oh, all right. shit, all right. Uh, what is the name of the, uh, what is the name of the substance that led to Miranda's fall? It was the Pax that they pumped into the air. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Pax is an acceptable answer for this one. Okay. Uh, also, uh, you know, if you wanted the extra credit, you could have gone for the G23 Paxilon Hydrochlorate. Oh, the whole name. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's fine. You, you still get full credit. For Which, uh, you know, Pax, uh, not to be too veiled in your writing, Joss, but Pax means peace. And I guess the... Yeah, that, well, that's that came to my mind, too. This is kind of a, a bit of a tangential... Pe- uh, a, a tangential, but... um. In the video game uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, mm-hmm. um, there is a character uh, whose name is Paz. Uh, the game like takes place in uh, Nicaragua, I think. But anyways, nice. the character's name is Paz, which mm-hmm. is for peace. peace. Yeah. And she is, in fact, a student who advocates for peace. So, you nice. know, very multi-layered Gotta love that metaphorical yeah, writing. Yeah, you know? so all the all the subtlety of uh, the great Hideo Kojima. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, question four: um, How long have Simon and River Tam uh, been traveling with the crew of Serenity as of the start of the film? My ship. Eight months on my ship. Boom. Got it. <laughs> nice. You are killing this quiz. I, I can officially say except you for Oin going by. <laughs> except no, no. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you're, you would definitely be ahead of me in the in my own ghost run of this quiz that I'm doing in my head right now. Um, you're still beating me. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, what I was noticing this time watching the movie, and that's probably why I caught it because I was paying attention to this. Um, so, like, the very... And we can talk about this more in a second, but the very yeah. beginning, the opening sequence, takes place before the series. I Yeah, the well, I guess... The breakout. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's something I wondered about. Uh, yeah, kind of the timeline of things. And actually, there, uh, this, this, this is a thing we might we might get into and discuss. All right, actually, yeah, we'll talk, just, yeah, we'll talk a about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. And then the final question: um, What part of the Serenity falls off during the ship's initial descent at the film start? Oh shit! It's uh, I know it's like some panel. Okay. But I I don't know if I know the. The specific name of the panel, okay? Because the only thing that comes to mind is the primary buffer panel, and I know that that's like—that's the only thing that comes to your mind, though. There's nothing better than that. 
nothing better than the primary buffer panel. Because that's from Star Wars. The, so that's well, all the, I can think well, of. I mean, in this case, the primary buffer panel is actually the correct answer. So. Um, oh shit! Really? Yep. For real. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep. You got it. <laughs> okay. Um, so well done. No, thank um, you. Okay, so so for the mainline quiz, um, I'm gonna take away credit for Oingo Boingo. I'm not letting you have any of that credit now. I changed my mind. Um, but you still did really well. You got four out of four out of five questions, oh, awesome. right? Um, we'll still go for the bonus. Oh yeah, because he says that the primary buffer panel fall off. Yeah, like exactly. Line. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Um, bonus. Cool. All right. Uh, the bonus. Um, name one inconsistency slash retcon between the film and the Firefly series. Ooh, that's a good one. And there are there are two potential answers that I have in mind. Ooh. Jesus. Yeah. Oh my god. Um there's like so many though, like uh the people pers- the people pursuing them first of all is like the it's not the hands of blue people. Those are like where are the hands of blue people? They're not I don't know if that's officially a retcon, but the uh the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call that one a retcon because you know it could just. You're be talking a, about something that like fundamentally changes the characters themselves. Like 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 what what is what is something that is established to have been the case in the series that then the film directly contradicts. Okay, so I don't think I can. I don't think I can answer that directly. All right, cool. Um, so, uh, so the first one is um, that uh, there's a scene in the film where um, uh, it's it's when the operative first catches uh, Mal on the security footage after River has her meltdown in the okay. car, and um, he then subsequently pulls up like you know a profile on Mal, which displays all this information about him. Uh-huh. And it lists, and, and it lists his military history during the right. Independence War, and it lists his rank as captain right. during that time, when in fact the series very clearly establishes that Mal's rank at the time of the Battle of Serenity, when the war ended, Mal's rank was a sergeant and oh. never made it to captain. And there's that whole speech that Badger has with Mal in the pilot where he talks about back in the war you were a sergeant and now you're a captain but I think you're really still a sergeant and stuff like that yeah so so there's that that's a good call yeah and that's a very very tiny one that I would have only known from you know just spending too much time on reddit um and then uh the other piece of information that was contradicted and this one there's like there's a little give and take um is uh Actually, Simon's rescue of River at the beginning of the film, because uh, during the during Simon's explanation of what the deal is with River in the pilot episode again, um, he explains that uh, you know he tried to find out where she was when mm-hmm. he realized that something was wrong, and eventually got in touch with people and paid them to smuggle her out of the Alliance facility in cryo. Instead of him actually... Instead of him actually directly intervening. Now that one, maybe a little more give and take, maybe it was a matter of him not right. wanting to give them all the information, right. but it was a piece of, but again, a piece of information that was specifically established yeah. in the series, and then the film kind of... And, and again, I think, you know, the film... 
A big part of the challenge of the film for Joss Whedon is obviously to make it a film that is approachable for people who weren't involved in the series. So it's I think much by, more cinematic like this. Well, exactly, yeah. And having Simon directly involved in her rescue at the very beginning of the film, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it just, it, it relieves him of having to do too much extra needless right. exposition and yeah. stuff like that. So. Now, the beginning of the movie is one of the things that I admire most about it. Yeah. I like how... Basically, there's like three false openings. It has a very, it has an opening that's kind of like a straight version of the series opening, yeah. like a like a more melodramatic but seriously told oh, yeah, version. The, oh yeah, those little like, like um, the Earth was used up sequence, which they yeah. then becomes the classroom, which then becomes River's memory as they're testing her in the lab, yeah. which then becomes footage uh, in the archive room. Um, so I really, I mean. It, there's like three false starts to the movie, but yeah. but it's a very tidy way to establish. Well, this is everything you need to know before we can go on this adventure, and uh, I like that a lot. I like that the Joss Whedon didn't spend a lot of time um, with some needless exposition because it works not only for fans of the show but also for people who are coming to it fresh. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it is actually like pretty impressive how much information about the world in which they're operating he kind of um yeah is continuously yeah. just kind of incorporating into the story but in a way that like kind of just keeps it driving forward yeah. um and and yeah that was something i was trying to be conscious of for this viewing was just kind of thinking like okay like if i hadn't seen Firefly at all? Would there be things that they talk about that I don't understand? Um, one thing I was looking out for was how far they would get into um, just like explaining what companions are. In right. Um, for those of you who are listening who maybe are newcomers to this universe and uh, haven't watched Firefly yet, um, Inara's character um, is actually a very interesting character mm -hmm. in the show because um, she is uh, what is called in the lore of this show a companion um, who is a person who um, is paid money to uh, have sexual relations with various clientele but in the Firefly universe it's it's you know you don't have like the stigma that like you know most people would have like today's world right. about sex work and what have you um the, it, but rather instead client uh companions are actually very like highly respected mm -hmm. members of, of society and in fact her presence on the ship actually lends the ship a certain amount of credibility and is the kind of thing that um you know uh, allows them access to many ports like in the core systems that mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't have been able to um, it, it's sort of like being a sex ambassador a little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. They well, and actually, they make the joke about that in the pilot episode that um, that uh, Inara is our ambassador, yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, the ambassador. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, she's a companion, um, which which again is a point of tension for Shepard Book in in the show, mm -hmm. being being a man of of uh, well, space Christianity or what have you, spatianity, <laughs> spatianity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there might be a better word for that. Um, so uh, yeah, the. And, and and it's interesting because um, this show, you know, it it's it's a uh, it, it it is kind of a pulpy 
uh, it is kind of a pulpy science fiction world in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, similar to Star Wars in many ways, it, you know, it's, it is, you know, science fiction, but with a splash of Western. Um, right. Maybe, maybe a little more heavy on the Western than on the fantasy. And a lot of people have made the connection about how basically this is like a show as if we're following the Millennium Falcon on their adventures. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Maul is pretty much like a Han Solo type character. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He shoots first so much in this movie. Right, he does. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the uh, the operative, the, the the main antagonist of this? Because it's it's interesting. Like the show, the show itself never really has like a main antagonist. It, Not like, really. The, yeah, like the the main thrust of the show is kind of just the crew's trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. It establishes the mystery, but we never got far enough into the show to actually uh, establish who it is specifically that want river um and and like like we were talking about earlier there are the two operatives in the show the hands of blue guys yeah um who don't make it back to this movie but like in a show i feel like in a tv show you can get away with a character with characters like that. You can get away with characters showing snippets of them, having a physical characteristic that defines them for a longer season or seasons arcs. Um, and you can have two of them, but in a movie you're only, you only have two hours to really get this across. So condensing that type of character into one like badass who is just relentlessly following you, chasing you. And every time you meet, it's like, oh, they barely get away every single time. Um, So I feel like from a story perspective, the operative was a really strong choice to just condense that type of character to one. And then, you know, you really lucked off by having a young, then pretty much unknown, up and coming, Chiwetel Ejiofor, um... And he was, he's fantastic in it. Yeah, that's the thing. This is like the first uh, performance of his that I'd ever seen. Me too. Yeah. And um, yeah, he, he blew me away. Right. Like, he's he was so good. definitely one of the best things about it. And again, like by the time I'd seen this movie, I was already a fan of the show and I was mainly in it just to, you know, get more time with the crew. But like, but yeah, his presence just blew me away. This kind of, um, yeah, just the, the, the sort of, Kind of a, a menacing sincerity to him, in a oh, way. yeah, and, and you know this kind of like unassuming charm. Um, like when when he's uh, when he kills the uh, the guy in the archive room with oh, the, the do- sword, the doctor at the beginning, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the the ladies the running away, and he says to her, "Young Miss" or something mm-hmm. like that. That's like I mean, it's like so it's so charming, and he just like got through like. Killing a dude and yeah, like paralyzing right. him, and then like impaling him on a sword. It's like, oh, excuse me, and young miss. Yeah, yeah, um, and he really, he he really pulled it off. I, I think acting wise. Yeah, and it's it's he's a good foil for for Mal um, because um, it, he's a good mirror to the themes of the movie. I feel like Mal and him are a good two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I I I found myself noticing more kind of the the different ways uh, Faith is kind of 
hinted yeah. at. That's the big theme, yeah. Yeah, because because really belief and faith are 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 big are are big driving themes for this film. Right. Um uh, you know, obviously, you know, going beyond religious faith, but like, you know, there's just there's, believing in something. Yeah. Well, That's a shepherd book when he's dying, he says, I don't care what you believe, just believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that is kind of the thing that makes, that is the thing that the film really takes care to establish makes the operative so dangerous. Right. Is the fact that he really has this complete belief that he is fighting for the right thing. And the, and that this belief allows him the license to, you know, commit these atrocities mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the name of, you know, standing for what he believes is making society better and making people better. And, and so it, it is kind of perfect to have Mal be at the opposite end of that. Somebody yeah. who, you know, is about, you know, rugged individualism and about liberty and about just like no you you know you have to be able to let people make their own choices right. even if they are not the right choice um and and that was something that even uh joss whedon i think had had uh, it was either in like an interview or in like a commentary track or something but he had talked about how you know he didn't want he didn't want the alliance of the film to be like an evil empire per se. He didn't want them to be like quite as iron fisted as like, say the empire from star Wars. He wanted it to be more about this, this more banal, uh, benevolent bureaucracy, I guess you could say. Um, and that he wanted really the, the, the menace of their presence to come more from just their belief that they know what's best for everyone. And they're going to make sure that, everyone follows their best way regardless of whether they want to or not it's all it's all a, a struggle for what their view of utopia is yeah. and it's it's really uh, interesting to me that while the movie uh, mal's arc is sort of sort of him like gaining his faith or finding his faith yeah and then the operative loses his faith but it's all for the same end game because the operative very early on like tells Mal that he what he's fighting for is is a world without sin and then when when Mal gets the upper hand at the end and um sends the video of Miranda out to all the planets he says i'm going to show you what you wanted most of all a world without sin yeah um and i feel like where whereas like they have like very different views of what that means i feel like you know like to mal a world without sin, it doesn't necessarily mean a blameless world. It's a world where you are allowed to make those mistakes and figure shit out for yourself. But in the alliances, and it's also, I think, like very interesting that, they, that the name of the bureaucracy is called the alliance. Yeah. You know, it's not called, it's not something totalitarian, you know, it's it's yeah. something about unity. Yeah, they have a parliament. Like, right. That's the thing. He he works for the parliament. Right. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it, it, like they're... They have like this high standard for what it means to have a a sinless world or galaxy, I guess, in this in this context. But um, like you were saying, like Mal's whole thing is about being individual and allowing people to just do their own thing. Yeah, like is it is it better freedom? Even if life is a little shitty, is it better to have that freedom than to live in a world that's a little perfect and not have that freedom? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So there were, uh, so obviously, again, you know, there's, you know, there's a whole show beyond this <laughs> yeah, film. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was interesting. You were, you were bringing up that um, it, there, there is a kind of a, a scrappiness to the film. Obviously, you know, the production values of the film outstrip the production values of the oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Um, but but um, uh, the, the film was definitely shot on something of a shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have, like, the exact numbers with me. But, I, think um, it was like, I think it was around, like, 30, 40 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was... Whereas a movie like this normally in, this, in like, 2000s would, be, would have, like, easily a $100 million budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and they, they definitely... It, it was interesting because, um, you know, the, the film really was the product of Joss Whedon's, like, kind of, you know, really, you know you know, determined attempt to keep the series going. Right. And, you know, he was shopping it around to different studios, just trying to see if someone else would pick up. He just the wanted series. to finish it. Yeah. He wanted to, yeah. He wanted to get more mileage out of the series. Um, he, you know, was really, he was shopping it around to different studios, just like looking for anybody who'd be interested in, you know, having interest in continuing the story. Um, and then eventually, uh, he, he reached out to Barry Mendel, who then introduces him to somebody at Universal who, um, who who really liked the series and pretty much like immediately was like yeah we're gonna do let's this. do it yeah and um and so you know Joss Whedon he didn't want to make a blockbuster but he wanted something that was gonna you know at least you know step up to the epic scope um but but they use tons of practical effects there's really not that much CGI mm-hmm. um and they, you can tell I uh, I feel like that makes it stronger too. Because yeah. it does, it does really feel like it's a part of the show's existence. Yeah, absolutely. because the show is also just all, all basically practical effects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that's actually kind of interesting that I learned while I was, uh, you know, looking into this uh, the the film's production is that um, they they had hoped that they would be able to save some money by uh, by using the original set of the Serenity from the show. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that um, because, you know, basically when they were filming the show, they just, you know, built the individual rooms as Mm. needed. So um, they ended up constructing the set for this completely from scratch and completely rebuilt the ship. Basically, like using the DVDs as a guide nice. to to you know put the ship back together bit by bit and uh, and make a whole set. It looks great. It. it looks super familiar. It looks exactly like the ship. The only thing that I would say is I that I kind of notice on this watch, yeah. and I don't know if it's my imagination. I feel like the hangar, especially, looks a little larger. Yeah, the one and and also it's like lit very differently from the yeah, show. It is. I noticed there that they they really they really use a lot of blue in, mm. in those like interior hangar right. scenes. And 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 that and that was something I never really caught before this viewing that I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, like Serenity really is a very visually different entity in many ways from the show." It um, is, yeah. And and especially because like, you know, the show I think the show definitely leans a lot more into the shows in, into the western roots yeah. of of the concept than uh than the film does. I right. think you know you we you like just in the soundtrack, you know, I think there's there's so much more like guitar picking mm-hmm. and stuff in the show. Um in this the soundtrack is is a little the score is like a, you know a little more, a little more epic, a little more actiony, right, um, right. with like with like some some healthy guitar here and there yeah. that does kind of give Subtle, it like yeah. a, a frontier feel. But um, 
yeah, it's yeah, it, it is interesting, kind of just like the 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 ways subtle differences in your approach do kind of yeah, like the that the balance yeah, the balance really does shift in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just um, just through a few of those uh, production choices. Um, do you so so? Do you feel like um, the film still stands? On its own, as a as a standalone film, without like if, if if I know it's impossible to purge the show from your mind, but do you do you feel like well, like I said earlier, yeah. I, I I was first introduced to the to the franchise through the movie, yeah, and it was a I, I actually didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it at my apartment in college. A friend of mine bought it, and then we saw it, and he was a big fan of. Firefly slash Serenity, yeah, and I had a I had a blast watching it. I th- I think it definitely stands on its own. Um, I, I I think that that's a unique perspective because I, I, if I were to show someone the mo- the franchise now, I would absolutely start with the show. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't feel like it killed my enjoyment of the franchise. If anything, like I went back and I filled in all the gaps, and it only made my second viewing of the movie uh, that much richer yeah. when I came back to it. But it, but the movie does definitely stand on its own. It's a, it's a rollicking piece of sci-fi fantasy action, and I think that the characters. Again, we talked about the very beginning establishing all the um, the story threads with the three false starts, right? Yeah. But the sequence when we get to the ship, uh, when the opening credits are are still rolling, and we get that tracking shot of, of Mal going through the ship and introducing all the characters really does a fantastic job of just like giving us the shorthand. So we know what this ship is, what the function of this crew is and a little bit of the personality of every character. It's just enough to get us into the adventure. Um, but by the time we're in the heist, we all, we're not wondering who they are and how and what their roles are, we yeah. already know because we get, we had that great introduction at the, at the very beginning, <laughs> and I feel like that's another strength of the movie is that it's able to like the first fifteen minutes it just gives you a quick primer on the universe and the show, the characters, and then we're allowed to just enjoy the movie for what it is, which is a great sci-fi adventure. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I had mentioned antagonists before, and obviously the operative is kind of you know the big, the big kind of you know central antagonist mm-hmm. to the film. But obviously there is there is another antagonist that uh, I guess we haven't really talked too much about yet, and that is uh, the Reavers. The Reavers. Um, yikes! Who are not? They're not antagonists like the way that the Alliance and the Operative are. They're not like actively against our heroes, right? Yeah. They, because of the Western tropes, they fill in the void that the Indians used to do in in the Cowboys and Indians in in the old Western movies. Yeah. They they represent the other. Yeah, yeah. This kind of yeah, this sort of um, I guess you could say like. Uh, you know, uh, obviously a problematic term when when talking about Native Americans or Indians, absolutely, but like but like the the savage, right? You know, the the savage frontier it, and, that trope and mm-hmm. and being and yeah, like being something that's sort of beyond the horizon of 
quote-unquote civilization. Yeah. And, What's hiding in those hills, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's interesting just kind of like how explicitly they really realize it by just having them be this this being of, you know, rage and the fact that, like, you know, it's, it's not just that they kill, it's that they rape and that they eat flesh. And yeah. It really, it really does kind of lean into all those things. Um, it's interesting, like, yeah, despite my obviously, you know, being aware of the, you know, the Western tropes, um, yeah, I'd never, I never really thought of the Reavers in, in, in those, in, in terms of that, that kind of, uh, that, that coded, you know, that that idea of of them being a sort of a stand-in for um for the Indians, yeah. I would say of of you know of older Western films, right? Because because in those stories, they're not you know all the humanity is stripped from them, which is like we were saying, it's very problematic. Yeah. We, we might touch it upon it again here in a yeah, second. Yeah, we might. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so but in in those old westerns, they were very much just used to fill that that other void like like those are definitely savages they very rarely had any human qualities to them it wasn't until the later westerns that really started putting in humanity into the characters of the indians yeah and and that's i mean that that's one of the reasons why we have such a such a fraught history of the imagery that we use of native americans today you know why it's considered so racist is because Hey, we've been doing this for like for decades. It's just demonizing this group of people, you yeah, know? Like absolutely. the like the football team with the the Redskins and oh God. people who are like, "Oh, I don't know why this is so offensive." It's like, "Well, dude, have you ever What's, seen a John Wayne movie from the 1940s? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it, well, and it's like, yeah, because it's just, it's so invisible to a person, yeah. that even when you have to spell it out for them. Um, yeah, very frustrating. <laughs> so the Reavers sort of like, I wonder if there's like a, a sports team in this in the Firefly oh, universe God. called the Reavers. Ooh, Wow. Man, you have to wonder. <laughs> you do have to wonder. Well, and and, and actually, uh, another thing that I I find interesting is that um, uh, Reavers, uh, and I guess I don't know if it's if it's bad form that I find myself sort of you know circling back to the show as well. Obviously, the film's very tied into the lore of the show, but it is also interesting that the film kind of serves as this big payoff because because really we never actually see a reaver in in the show in right. firefly at yeah. all like there just is just a kid the kid who was semi reaver yeah exactly the one guy who like goes crazy on the ship that was attacked by them right. and starts acting like them yeah. but he but yeah it's but yeah i th- i remember that being a very big deal to me when i first saw the movie cuz i was like oh my god we're Those are the reavers. we're really seeing the real deal now um yeah, it's kind of like, uh, and again, going back to the whole thing of of the other, it really does. If it, it, it kind of reminds me of the whole the old Star Trek show, the uh, the original series, mm-hmm. and the role of the Klingons on that show, because they they're very rarely shown on the show. And oh, you know, you're talking about like the the original series with yeah, like Captain the, Kirk, yeah, the original and, series. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, with Spock and Kirk. And and then when we get to the movies, like we we get this really expanded lore and really um, thought out design and everything, and just a whole civilization culture established for who the Klingons are. And in 
the world of the show, like the sh- the show, if we're we're drawing the metaphor, you know, like how the the Reavers represent kind of like the they fill a niche of the Native Americans on on Firefly and Serenity. The Klingons were like the Russians. Yeah. Um, because, because Star War, I mean, Star Trek was very much a Cold War show and property. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting to me, like, in both circumstances, in Serenity and, um, in Star Trek, the movies expand upon the role of the other, that the other civilization, the big one the, that's competing for power, so to speak. And we get to see more of them in a fleshed out way. Yeah. So we're we're gonna do our regular GSV wrap up segments. The first one is shots, 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 shots. Ha! I didn't do an extra shots. Boom. So what's this segment about, Ned? Well, the segment's about it's about violence. It's about the gratuitous violence that we have been have just witnessed the gracious recipients of. And um, this movie, this movie has a healthy hunk of violence. It is an action adventure. It is a, it is an action adventure, and you got You got to have some hacking and slashing. In so, your if you, adventure. if you were to guess how many people, how many killings were in this movie, what would you Ooh, say? Okay, so if we're gonna talk like on screen deaths, um, okay, so you got like the three people that the operative kill, like in the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you have, let's say, like another. We we definitely see a few Reaver kill. We see the Reavers kill a few people in the town when they're pulling off the robbery at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So maybe like three or four there. Um, I think like one or two people die in like the scene where River goes crazy in the bar. Right? She, do you think she killed people in the bar? I think it's possible. <laughs> she it's did possible. hit them pretty hard. I think <laughs> she she does get she does get a guy's knife and and jam it jams it into another fruity oaky bars. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't you go singing that to me now. It, what was it that Simon says here in a, in a tonic machine or something like that? Uh, I, I I forget how it was pronounced. Um, I, I in my in my research I forgot to write it down, but it, it is actually a Russian phrase. And it means something akin to like uh, this makes the hens smile or something. Oh shit! Like that's that. that's really Russian and creepy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's not even makes the hens sleep. It makes them smile. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, something very weird like that. Um, this makes the hens smile. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, just a ballpark the, figure. Throw okay, it out. the and then and then the people at Haven die. I mean, I feel like there's yeah, hundreds okay, of people okay. who die. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Yeah. If if we're gonna, yeah, definitely. If we're gonna if we're gonna include like the battle at the very end, um, then yeah, it definitely climbs up into the hundreds. Um, and I guess Reaver casualties; those would count as casualties right because they were people probably for, so they were people originally it's they're zombified yeah or i guess yeah because because that's the other thing too is that reavers kind of have a a zombie there's there is a zombie side to them too in 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 terms of other pop culture things so i guess if you would you would you count zombie deaths in a in a in a film's killed total Sure, why not? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, if if you're gonna ca- if you're gonna count everyone, then yeah, there's there's like hundreds and upon hundreds of deaths in that movie because yeah. all of the Alliance people in the ships died by Reaver yeah. death, yeah. fiery Reaver death. Yeah, and I f- and I find that in- and I guess it, you know what is interesting and it resonated with me a little more when um 
when the operative confronts Mal at the very end, oh, he says yeah. like hundreds of innocent people up, you know, above us are, you know, are, are dying because of you. And and it's interesting because like. I think, you know, the last time I saw this film, before its most recent viewing, you know, my headspace was a little more in, like, you know, that the Alliance is this evil force. Right. And so I was kind of like, oh, yeah, innocent people, whatever. But this time I was like... They are innocent, innocent But, like, people. they are kind of. Like, you know, they're just in the Alliance military. It's not like they... It's not like they are active participants in, like... They're just following orders. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess that is the... That is the question. Yeah, the um, just the just following orders thing. Because uh, are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, you know, they they definitely are instruments of of a certain type of totalitarian control. Very even much if it's, so. Even if it's not as explicit as you know stormtroopers. And then Mal's blowing. retort um, is that you don't know how true that is because he's referring to the Reavers. The Reavers are also innocent people that yeah. were turned into savages by the government. Yeah. Very true. So, which, true. which again, it kind of goes back to the. I don't know why I keep harping on this, but it's very interesting to me. I, I noticed all these parallels, like a lot this time, going back to the Native American plight and all that. Like, you could make an argument that the only reason why Native Americans were so perceived by the white colonials or the white frontiers people is because of what the government at the time did to them, displaced them from their homes, shipped them off to reservations, literally like just stole everything from them. And then when they come and retaliate and try to fight back, we brand them as savages. Like, no, we we went in there and fucking stole their shit, you know? Yeah, so, very much so. So it's kind of, again, a drawing a parallel to that. In both circumstances, the other was created by the government. Yeah. Well, and and, and that's the thing, too. And, and obviously, I know we're kind of in our wind down. But, like, you know, that is, you know, when you think about this film, not just on its own and the story that it's telling, but the fact that the film really... It really is the final episode right. of the Firefly series, yeah. and and so I think to 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 have to 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 to, to make the story of the mm-hmm. Reavers kind of be like the final great mystery right. to yeah. like posit to the viewer, and then and then tie all of that into um, this this government that you know thinks it knows better than its people and goes to great lengths to try to you know, reel in its people and with such, you know, disastrous consequences as a result. It's like, yeah, that's actually like, that's, that's a fair piece of, uh, of brilliant, uh, bow tying. Yes. If if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. So I looked up before we move on, I did look up on this website called moviebodycounts.com. Okay. And I guess, I guess that, that, that would, that would be the place. Because, yeah, right. (laughs) Obvious. Um, yes. <laughs> because there was, there's too many deaths to count on this movie, and even they acknowledge that there's a lot of miscellaneous deaths. But yeah. just talking about confirmed on-screen deaths, okay. deaths of people that we actually see dying in the frame. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I've, I've seen I've seen some like body count sites where they're like, okay, like when they when they list a film's body count, then then yeah, they use a very specific standard, like you know, it, it has to be like a person that you see get killed on screen, right? Or something like that. So the total was seventy four. Seventy four. 
That makes sense. And it has a breakdown by of the main characters and how they killed. Oh, yeah? So I want to ask you, who do you think has the most kills in the movie? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay. Um, maybe, wait, maybe... Is it is it Jane or Zoe? It is not either of them. It's not either of them. Holy Mm-mm. shit! Um, is it the operative? Yeah. Fuck. The nice. operative kills seventeen people in that movie. Damn. And it's followed by River, who killed fifteen. Really. Fifteen people. Damn. Jane is next at nine. Okay. Then we have Malcolm with three, and he ties with Zoe. Zoe also kills three. Oh. Confirmed. Inara kills two with her bow and arrow thingy, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, very much so. Simon won, Kaylee won. Nice. Yeah, even even Kaylee can scrap Kaylee with them. Kaylee did get one, yeah. She's, she's come a long way from uh, that one episode where she tries to get in the firefight but doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that uh, that wraps up the shots, right? It wraps up the shots. So now we're going to go move on to the second half of gratuitous sex and vi- or violence and sex, I guess. Yeah. And this next segment is called Boob Tube. Yeah. Yeah. The, all the sexy things. All the sexy things on screen, gratuitous and otherwise. No nudity in this movie again because it no. was a PG-13 movie. They kept it pretty clean. Yeah, but there are, there is a little bit of sex in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and you know, obviously let's let's start with, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the continuing tension between uh, Simon and Kaylee. Yeah. Um, Kaylee especially, I think, being someone who... Uh, uh, you know who who really kind of yearns for Simon, and it's and it's kind of there's something kind of great about how explicit she is about it. You know yeah. that like yeah, she yeah. just she she has needs. She knows what she wants. She knows what she wants, and um, that that beautiful line ain't you know going on a year ain't been nothing twixt my nut. <laughs> there's a didn't run on batteries. And yeah, just like there's yeah. vibrators in space. I'm just like you know, girl, same. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, so we do see finally they, them consummating their relationship uh, yeah. at the very end during the denouement, and we see River peeking at it, which you know adds a little extra layer of voyeuristic perversion to yeah. the affair. But I wanted to ask you, this is like the, I guess like the big um, fan question or the the... Not want to say controversy. It's not really a controversy, but Ooh. okay. But I have I have heard, but I don't know where you're going with this. So uh, so okay. Who do you ship? Right. This is on a ship. Who do you ship? The two main ones are Jane and Kaylee, and Simon and Kaylee. Because Jane, even on the show, it's very much established that he has like this crush on Kaylee. There, yeah, it's interesting. There, there is an interesting tension between Jane and Kaylee. Um, the the sense I've always gotten, and this is not this is not an original take. I'm partially borrowing this from um, the YouTube channel, The Passion of the Nerd. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's a, f- uh, I'm just gonna plug this sure. channel really quickly. For anybody who's like a fan of Joss Whedon stuff, or who wants to make your friends in your life a fan of Joss Whedon series, um, you should definitely point people to this youtube channel because this guy does like sort of episode recaps of like buffy and angel and he's actually currently working on firefly right now but he does these like really really smart analytical uh sort of recaps of each of the episodes of all these shows and um and one of the things he kind of brings up about uh about the connection between kaylee and jane is that uh 
um, is is it's kind of a it, there's kind of a big brotherness to it of like him kind of uh, you know picking on her a little bit and um, again maybe this is like more in the show because right. obviously. You know the the fact that Jane takes a very acute interest to her line about the you know twix I could, my st- I could stand here thing. more. Yeah, I could stand here a little more. So so maybe there's a, a touch always, of incest in there as well. He's but, uh, always sort of stepping his bounds when it comes to Kaylee. I feel like yeah, that's the thing. He he very yeah he very much kind of like does get under her skin and and, it, it and do- messes with her. It a doesn't lot. come across to me as a big brother thing because I feel like I always felt like it. it there's a it, it comes from a place of sexual tension yeah, that's interesting because to me the the big brother tension is between her and captain mal captain mal is more like her big brother yeah in in the way that it plays out in the movie in the yeah. show in the movie um yeah jane jane's always had an interest in her the physically Ka- the jane kaylee ship that is that is so fascinating that's weird i i would not have i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought that um, so you're definitely, I would say, Team Simon then. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, um, I think Simon, Simon loses points for like being very wishy washy with her and not very, very proactive. Yeah. Um, again, this is kind of going to the broader context of the show because. That's that's just so so that's what I'm basing that on, not just the movie. The movie mm-hmm. movie doesn't quite flesh out their dynamic as right. much. Um, but yeah, Simon is is yeah he he's very he's yeah he does not do a good job, and he kind of justifies it in the show later by explaining that you know his restraint comes from the fact that he came from an affluent family and mm-hmm. he wants to show respect, and that's how in and you know Kaylee's just like nah just. Just dump my bones, bro. I know, but he, um, he does say like some stupid shit. At yeah, the, like the worst possible time. Yeah, he yeah he really does have a talent for always saying kind of the wrong thing. But speaking of always saying the wrong thing, we got to talk about um, Mal and Inara, which is the other big relationship. Yeah, unfulfilled relationship, I should say, because obviously there's Zoe and. Uh, um, wash, which they're like the perfect couple. Yeah, so. they're rock solid. You know, I have to say, like, if 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 there's one thing I would dread from like more seasons of Firefly, it, it would be it would be if it would be seeing what wrenches Joss Whedon might throw between Zoe and Wash. Because, like, you know, again, they're married and they're clearly, like, very deeply right. in love. Right. And boy, I it would break my heart to see what you know what conflict Joss cooks up for the two of them. Um, so but instead, he just g- kills Wash. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So much better for him to just impale Wash with a fucking uh, steak. Uh, it still um, hurts. Still hurts. It really does. It's yeah. It's awful. Um, but but Malin and Ara. But, but Malin and Ara. Um, yeah. Like so. And it's interesting because. Again, there is that kind of dynamic of just like that he always he always very intentionally pushes her buttons. He, and yeah, he's very much. He's an flat out mean to her. to her. Yeah, which which you even pointed out as we were watching the movie. Oh, because like, he's hurts. always such a fucking dick to her. And and all she wanted to like she she was like first of all it wasn't even her idea for him to go save her. Yeah, he did that himself, knowing full well that it was a trap. Yeah. And then he blames her for it. Yeah. And she was like saying, I, when he says, I wish you were anywhere else but here. And she goes, I was. Yeah. 
you know and and it's like it's 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 the same thing that we you're talking about like the the Simon and um Kaylee thing you know the just jump my bones bro like it's sort of a reverse dynamic there because like it's sort of like Inara and her what like you know her job and her position is kind of what prevents her from going all in on Captain Mal. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, I think that he, you know, he he kind of does keep that distance too. And oh yeah. I guess I guess but maybe, in the worst way possible. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think the Mal and Inara relationship is probably is probably one of the things that 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 a viewer would would be lacking the most of in a way if they didn't watch yeah, the show absolutely. first. I think that's that's one that because in the show he flat out calls her whore like all yeah, the time. Exactly, like, he There's, is really borderline abusive. Yeah, very much so. And 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 it's one and there's and there's just there's so much that kind of happens between them and so much tension and in in different ways that and how it plays out. Like I always remember the Heart of Gold episode. Yeah, as that's that's a, the one that really flashed out their dynamic the most i think yeah and how they just live their lives as if they don't matter to each other but really the the actions yeah. that they do very much affect each other and hurt each other and like even in in, in this like when the scene about when they're talking about the trap and Kaylee's like, you know, why don't why don't you think that she just wants to see you? And and Mel was like, well, did you see us fight? No. Well, then it's a trap. Yeah. Like he knows that just putting them in like in any normal circumstance that's not trap related that where she's not being coerced to reach out to him, it would just be them insulting each other yeah. and hurting each other. Yeah, very much so. Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, and it's endemic to their en- entire yeah, their in, their entire state of being. So I wanted to. Uh, do you think that the any of that sexual tension or sexual dynamic in the show and in the movie does it come across as gratuitous to you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think um, it's interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot of yeah, there's there's. Uh, I, I, one of the things I actually find found really striking with with kind of my whole my whole Whedon verse binge, my whole partial mm-hmm. Whedon verse binge, is that actually like there's there's a lot of sex in oh yeah in, Joss, so. in Joss Whedon's yeah. stuff, and um and in many ways Firefly is actually kind of the most chaste of his yeah. properties, like between Buffy, Angel, and um. Between Buffy and Angel and Dollhouse, um, I can't speak for Agents of Shield. I have not seen it, um, but uh, I mean that's a kids show, so, <laughs> so I hope there's not a lot of sex in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, like yeah, Firefly actually, and again, in spite of the fact that we have a companion, I mean, the, I guess in the show, you know, the, there, you know, there, there is a, a fair amount of sexuality around Inara just based on her work. Yeah. And, we see some tricks that she and pulls. E- exactly. Yeah. All of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe, I wouldn't describe any of this, of this film's, uh, sexiness as gratuitous. Um, and even the you know it's PG thirteen, so right. it's, it's 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 tasteful sex and violence, I guess a little bit. Yeah, 
Yeah. Pretty, yeah, it's a, it's a fantasy action adventure. What more do you want? Yeah, man. <laughs> You're not, not entertained, people. <laughs> not much. Not much. Um, so that's a good lead in, though, the whole talking about the sexual dynamic um, to our final uh, winding down GSV segment, yeah. which is called. Uh, that's problematic. problematic. Yeah. What was there anything in this viewing or subsequent viewings that caught you as problematic of this universe? You know, that's a really good question, and and I was I was really thinking I was really thinking about that for this, and um, and I I guess and I'm trying to think specifically of the movie because I think as you mentioned there is there is a whole lot more to Mal and. Uh, Inara's relationship, especially when it comes to how Mal is always calling her a whore mm-hmm. and in a derogatory way. Right. Um, and uh, I guess is there is there a non derogatory way of saying whore? <laughs> well, uh, I, I would say that if you're in the throes of passion and she wants you to do it, then it's non derogatory. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, consensually. Consensually. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, in the movie. And the movie itself, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of at a loss. I don't know if that's just my privilege showing, but um, I'm I'm my my radar did not pick up anything that pinged me too hard. I guess the there's the um, there's Mister Universe's love bot, which is. <laughs> Like, you know, love bots, well, you know, they're kind there of... There is the question of ethics there. Are they ethical? There's, yeah, there's some ethical questions there. But there's Mr. Some, Universe is not the most ethical person, period. No, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he he sees everything and he hears everything. He's so, kind uh, of painted also as kind of like a buffoonish character, so I don't think we're meant to, like, look up to his choices, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely not an idealized guy. He's just kind of, you know, he just, he he's happy for the violence. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, um, he loves that gratuitous violence. They yeah. always bring him the best. They always bring him the best violence. violence. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess my 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 somewhat more privileged radar did not pick up that much. Um, was there was there something so, that pinged off for you? Joss or? Whedon's works are always known for us being like really pro pro uh, girl power, pro feminist. Yeah. Um, some people have kind of shied away from calling it full feminist. Like, they do recognize that it is pro-girl power. Yeah. However, they also recognize that a lot of the girl power in the movies are still... They still very much come from a male gaze perspective. Like, these kick-ass women on these shows are very much still in the tropes of what a man would think are impressive qualities in a woman... Um, and yes, but the characters are allowed to be third, three-dimensional, have agency, all of that. He does give them... Um, they're not just props, right? Yeah. But but they are like the warrior women, uh, like, you know, like uh, River, her whole um, badassery. Yeah. And, um, I would even say Zoe was the one that I was thinking about the most of how... On the show, I feel like she has she's better fleshed out and developed than in the movie. In the movie, she really does have this warrior woman um, niche that she fills. Yeah, and even even I was noticing like even when her husband dies, she's not allowed to immediately grieve. Right, she has to like keep going. And I know that it affects her because that's part of her personality and all that. So I know that it's part of of that. And in the story, it works really well. That's not what I'm 
kind of bringing attention to but i still feel like that idea of the historic warrior woman who is not only badass but it's super attractive and yeah she's married to a white guy like that's still a very idealized vision of of that like a from a male gaze mm-hmm. perspective i would yeah, say but that's a, that's some interesting points yeah um yeah i at one and now and now that you mention, I mean, River, yeah, River does have. There is kind of. Um, I I think there there is certainly a, a sort of a, a waifish quality she is the waif. that yeah. that um that I think Joss Whedon is is drawn to right. kind of across multiple properties right. of his. Um, that that there is kind of this like sort of fascination with that sort of character archetype of mm-hmm. of of someone who's like you know a little waifish and. Um, you know, kind of damaged and, uh, but yeah, just then, and yeah, like, like kind of, you know, sort of a, 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 you know, a a sort of a, a traumatized person, but who then still packs a punch as well. Probably, you know, for today's, for today's era, um, some of that stuff is definitely going to come off as a little more old hat and a mm-hmm. little more like yeah, yeah the, been there seen that right. and, and and it can be done better and with more and 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 yeah cuz i think i think river's character in the show in in the show firefly she definitely i think is pretty lacking in agency and kind of yeah. is relegated to a lot of just like sitting in the corner being crazy because she's the slow burn of the show like she's like the main mystery the impetus of the entire show is finding out more about her yeah so she so yeah she definitely doesn't have a lot of development but i think because they were planning on doing that over several seasons yeah very much so and and so i think because of that need to then you know kind of truncate that into a two-hour film she actually does kind of get more opportunities in a way to drive the story forward by Mm -hmm. kind of you know taking these actions that for at first are like horrifying right when she you know (laughs) knocks jane out and knocks simon out and you know takes over the takes over the bridge are there any other things that you think didn't age well not like sexually wise um or sexual politics wise not not like sexual politics wise but i was kind of i wanted to bring this to your attention i know that we briefly talked about this before when you were watching firefly but i wanted to talk about the way that the movie and the universe uses chinese culture in in the in the universe yeah because there's uh they use chinese words in their slang the characters do um there's a lot of chinese imagery um the fruity odie bars was a very chinese specific yeah commercial and yet you don't really see a lot of asian american characters or actors in the show if if any, very rarely. On the show, I think you see more, but in the movie, I don't know if I saw a single one in the movie. Yeah, and, and honestly, they, yeah, it was, it the the show was definitely lacking in, in, um, in terms of Asian representation. Right. Like, in a very big way. Like, there is, yeah, I don't think there is a single, like, named character in the entire run of the show that right. is Asian. So, um, like, like, even in, like, a one-off, like you know role um and and yeah i think that is something that 
That is something that that I think I've 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 heard that like they were kind of they they found themselves getting more aware of as they got deeper into the show, but then it got canceled before right. they had a chance to try to rectify to it. remedy it. But and, and yeah, it is interesting because I think for the you know for the idea of the show to be like this is you know this is this is how humanity this is how humanity kind of you know survives beyond earth and so the the idea is like you know that uh you know the 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 major powers of earth you know managed to escape the planet before it collapsed and so and so that's why you have this sort of melding of language and so you have you know everybody you know speaking with smatterings of mandarin or cantonese Mm -hmm. here and there um, but, uh, but yeah, the fact that they kind of tried to incorporate that and then didn't, act, but then didn't actually have much in the way of, um, really trying to deepen that, that, that cultural context is, uh, yeah, I guess you, you, that is, that is fair play to say that there's, there is probably something a little problematic about that. Just, I- just, just taking the iconography, but then not, not actually... <laughs> having the good the good grace to tell a story with it as well because when when people talk about cultural misappropriation you know it's not it's not just about appropriating a culture um because you can i feel i'm one of uh, those people who feel like you the entire culture america especially is all based on cultural appropriation pretty much we borrow ideas from each other and we take things that others have made and we just like you know we we do fusion dishes and we do like (laughs) all these little things you know yeah music and shit yeah yeah the the term cultural appropriation is is a neutral term right It, it is not itself either intrinsically good or bad right it is it is just simply describing you know taking you know taking on the right. the attributes or traits of a culture and and where where you get into that conversation about how beneficial or damaging it can be it has much more to do with with the um with the status of the cultures in question right. and how yeah. it's being used and whether it's being misappropriated yeah absolutely um so and, and I wanted in in this universe Clearly, there is a cultural appropriation of Chinese culture into the universe, but is it misappropriation because it's not attached to any Asian characters? It's just yeah. it's it's just mostly a white cast, yeah, using all of this. And not just language in the show; they usually also use some of the fashion tropes as well. Yeah, Simon does have a yeah. He has like one or two shirts in the film. And Simon and River, that. their last name is Tam, which is again, it's an Asian name. Yeah, but they are not Asian. Either one of them, River Glau. At first, uh, when I first watched the show, I was like, well, maybe she has a little, you know, bit of Asian in her. But she's actually her. I think her father or or mother is Scotch Irish, and then the other is German. Hmm. So she's completely European. Yeah, her ancestry. Um, so not even like they, they have a character with the last name Tam, and they didn't even make them. They didn't yeah. code them as Asian. Yeah. I, I do find that problematic. I mean, again, it's a I guess a small criticism because I do love the universe and I love the show, I love the characters, but I think that if yeah, we, but but not in, yeah, not not at all insignificant. Though. If we like, were I if, think, if we were making that show today, yeah, 
And it would, it would be a way more controversial choice to not cast an Asian character. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's definitely yeah, yeah. Now that you mention that, that's a pretty big blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any? Um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, would you say this was a bad movie? Would you say this was an okay movie? Would you say uh, what? 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 Mm, what you say? I think it's a good movie. Um, I would pause short of calling it a great movie because I feel like that label's reserved to only the very special movie. (laughs) But this is a really good movie. It's a kick-ass movie. I think that it's a lot of fun. Um, I would probably give it like a a really strong B-plus rating um, if I were to give it a a grade. Um, I I will definitely... I feel feel like I watch Firefly once every year or so, maybe like every couple of years, and my rewatching of Firefly always ends with the watching of Serenity and I yeah. think that whether or not you're new to the universe it's it's just a, a fun two hour movie to just you know watch and let go and, and have fun with. What are your final thoughts on it? Um, yeah final thoughts I'd say good movie. I'd probably even say very good movie um yeah just I think I think if there's one thing that this conversation kind of illuminated for me was just kind of how tight it is to the show. Like, it really, yeah, like, it really, while it is definitely watchable Mm -hmm. on its own and you can enjoy it without having seen the show, um, you know, to really kind of get a deeper understanding of, like, all the different contexts and things that, that went into kind of creating this world, um... You, you kind of do have to expand the conversation to cover everything that had been established in that season leading up to it. And right. I, I guess I, I found that interesting um, this time around, just sort of seeing how much my thoughts about the film really do stem from the show as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, I, and, and I'd be very curious to hear the takes of people who have only seen the film and not seen the show. And I would imagine at this point, considering how long ago both are, right. that probably gets rarer and rarer these days. And if, you um, know, if anyone listening has any of those thoughts and want to share them, you know, feel free yeah. to reach out to us and, and, and share what your thoughts are of the movie. And, yeah, and let us definitely. know if, if, if we, if you think we got something completely right or we're completely wrong, <laughs> you know, we'll, we can take it. We're not, we're not little kids. We can take it. Yeah, I, I can't take it, but Orlando can take it. So um, you can send all of the vitriol and, and cruelty to him, please. Oh, yeah. Re- address it to Orlando specifically. Please do. Please do. No, I'll take some. <laughs> Orlando, this has, been a, this has been a treat. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Sometime. Thank you, everybody, for Thanks. listening to Gratuitous mm-hmm. Sex and Violence. And now go forth and watch some movies. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just.
we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just you guys always bring the very best violence. No, really. 